Hello and welcome to the Mind Springs podcast with me, Alastair Appleton. I hope you enjoy what you hear, and if you'd like to find out more about us, then visit mind-springs.org. This is a recording of a 45-minute lecture that I gave in the foyer of the Southbank Centre in London in the summer of 2016 as part of Opera North's Wagner series. and to appreciate it as best you can. Ladies and gentlemen, Mr. Alistair Appleton. Thank you, Mary. Oh, that's very loud. Uh, welcome this morning. Thank you for coming. Uh, very nice to see you here. I'm sure some people might come and join us in our little Wagnerian woodland glade. Um, <clears throat> I've been asked by the South Bank to, to talk about uh, mindfulness or meditation and Wagner. I thought it might be quite nice just to begin with a little bit of relaxation. Uh, so if you want to sit uh, comfortably with your feet flat on the floor, hands resting in your, on your knees or on your lap, close your eyes, and take a nice deep breath down into the, the bottom of your belly, relaxing the shoulders, Relaxing the jaw, there's a lot of tension in the jaw. Relaxing all the muscles around the eyes. And taking a slightly deeper breath, really expanding the lower belly. And as you breathe out, let your shoulders soften some more. Come into your body after navigating the busy transport links to the south bank. Take a few more breaths coming into your body, relaxing your shoulders. And just opening your awareness to the sounds of the festival hall. Children scraping chairs. And just tipping your chin slightly down, elongate the back of your neck and feel your spine. You can give it a wiggle, soften your shoulders, roll your neck out. But just let your breath anchor you in the, the present moment here, Saturday morning in amongst other people and other noise. There's bound to be lots of thoughts flicking around in your mind, that's fine. See if you can also bring your attention down into the pit of the belly, as if you were breathing into a balloon down in the, the bottom of your belly. And with one slightly deeper breath, then just stretch your arms, stretch your feet. 
Feel your body and open your eyes. So welcome. I just wonder who here is um, who here is signed up for the the whole tetralogy. Who's been watching the Wagner upstairs in the in the hall? Just a few people. One of the reasons I was interested to talk on this subject, I'm not, I'm not a Wagner expert, I'm not going to be talking a lot about the music or the leitmotif or anything like that, but I, I do have a long practice in meditation. I teach meditation. I've been doing so for the last sort of 11 years. I also work as a psychotherapist, I also work in the TV industry. And so I've always been very interested in the, the span of time that the Wagner operas demand and the, the sort of concentration and the the physiological effect of all that music on our bodies and, and our brains. And that's an area that I'm quite interested in. So this talk this morning is, is really going to be an interactive one. I'm going to talk a little bit about um, a little bit about Wagner and his relationship to Buddhism, but mainly about the experience of listening to music, and particularly this sort of very intense emotional music. And uh, we're going to do three little exercises with excerpts from the ring uh, and seeing whether some sort of physical grounding in our body, some mindfulness of our listening bodies could help us enjoy the power of the ring more fully. So we're dealing with this chap, Richard Wagner. And at the end of his life, or towards the end of the life, just before he started writing Parsifal, so even before the ring was actually completed, he started doing sketches for an opera called Die Sieger, The Victors, which was based on his ongoing interest in this, Buddhism. So he was a very educated man, very interested in philosophy, and he took uh, a great deal of interest in uh, the emergent field of Buddhology, so some of the late 19th century thinkers and writers who had taken up interest in, in Buddhism, particularly a sort of more doom-laden Schopenhauer kind of take on Buddhism. And his opera, Die Sieger, which never went beyond a kind of sketch for the libretto, was about, very typical Wagner theme, about the transcendent power of love in the framework of Buddhist spirituality. So the story is about Prakriti, who's an untouchable woman who falls in love with and is fallen in love with by Ananda, who's one of the Buddhist, Buddha's main disciples. And Wagner was fascinated by the idea that somehow this carnal love, this, this human love, would be transcended into something more spiritual. Sadly, the opera never got beyond this little sketch, but it's a fascinating glimpse into Wagner's interest in, in Buddhism. And as we'll come back to a little later, particularly about the relationship between high emotion and some of the practices of Buddhism which tend towards kind of emptying out of emotion, particularly as Wagner probably understood it from those 19th century writers. However, I'm actually more interested, I'm going to put aside, oh, actually just to say that this wonderful composer, Jonathan Harvey, did write um, a fantastic opera called Wagner Dream, which, treat, which touched on that story of Prakriti kind of recreated it, so if you were interested in that, you could follow it up. But I'm going to uh, not look so much at the history of, of Wagner, but more at the listening practice that we could develop using some of the skills of, of mindfulness and, and meditation.
And this uh, chap or chapess behind me is, depending on how you look at him or her, is Avalokiteshvara or Kwan Yin, a sort of androgynous figure out of Tibetan and Japanese Buddhism, who it's said achieved enlightenment through the ear. So through the practice of listening, she or he, it's a kind of a movable feast in the, in the iconography, uh, she or he achieved enlightenment through the act of listening. So I thought that would be an interesting kind of point of departure about how we can use a kind of more embodied meditative form of listening, not only to access the wonder of ba Wagner's music, but perhaps also to transform ourselves, taking the kind of Buddhist uh, theme of transformation quite literally, so that we use the sound of Wagner's music to actually open up our experience of being human. So essentially we're looking at uh, phenomenology. So this man behind me, Merleau-Ponty, was a French existentialist who took the ideas of Edmund Husserl, who was a, the father of phenomenology, and developed them in a very somatic way. So his idea was that there is no reality outside of our somatic bodily experience of it. And I think this is a really interesting way of entering into uh, uh, a Buddhist or a phenomenological way of appreciating the ring. What I'd like us to do is to, to practice together. I must turn my phone off. <laughs> what I'd like us to do is practice together. Uh, and we're going to start with a very simple form of meditation called samadhi practice, which is essentially coming back into our body, continuing what we just started. Uh, and it's a very embodied uh, way of, of being in the world. So in the light of the very long spans of time that Wagner demands, this is a, a very simple and effective way of, of sitting in a concert hall or in an opera house. You're sitting on quite hard wooden benches. This would have been exactly how the first listeners of the ring would have been in Bayreuth, which has famously painful wooden seats. So <coughs> we're getting close to the experience of the original uh, Wagner audience of the ring cycle. And the, the practice of samadhi is really a simplification. So we're simplifying ourselves in terms of Merleau-Ponty. We're bracketing out all our thoughts and thinking about Wagner, about the ring, about who Brunhilde is and what the ring symbolizes and was Wagner a Nazi and all these profusion of thinking, <coughs> we're bracketing that out and returning to a very simple experience of the body. And the idea here is tied in with a romantic idea, of course Wagner's right in the thick of the romantic uh, European movement, of the Aeolian harp. So as you can see behind me, the Aeolian harp is this stringed instrument that was placed in the casement of a window and was played by the wind. Coleridge wrote a famous poem about it, uh, and it's a very strong image in the aesthetics of, of romanticism about how we can be played by the outside world, how if we empty out all our preconceptions or our thoughts and templates about the world, we just let ourselves be played. And this, I think, is a really wonderful, um, if simple trope about how do we listen to Wagner, how do we listen to this extremely romantic music. Well, one way of doing it is just to come back to a very physical sense of the body and to um, stay 
in the spine. Essentially, we're going to come back into the back of our body, in the belly, in the spine, behind the heart, and uh, in the spine at the back of the neck, and sort of sit back into ourselves. So we don't have to do anything. We just sit back and we just receive like the Aeolian harp receives the wind. We receive the music. So if you're uh, okay with it, what I'd like to do is I'm going to start us off with uh, a little bit of samadhi practice. So if you just want to follow my instructions, it's a very simple practice. You can do it sitting down as you are. You could also lie down if you wanted to. And uh, at some point, I'm going to start playing some Wagner. And uh, I encourage you to to just open yourself to this very famous bit of Wagner uh, and let it sort of wash through you and just notice what happens. Okay, so if you want to just get comfortable, as I say, you can lie down with your feet, um, sort of better, best if you have your feet flat on the floor with your knees up, that takes the pressure off your back. Or if you want to sit on these Bayreuth-style chairs, then I suggest you just make sure your sitting bones are nice and comfortable so you've got some stability. Again, rest your hands on your knees or in your lap. Plant your feet flat on the floor and close your eyes. So samadhi practice really takes us into the body in a very simple way. So first of all, just be aware of the breath coming in at the nose. Be aware of your body sitting here in this resonant space. And then I'd like you to really bring your attention down, down into the, the belly. So we're coming down right at the bottom of the belly to a point just in front of the base of the spine. So it helps if you can take a little time to see if you can find that. So it's a little point, maybe an inch or two in front of the spine, just an inch or two above the perineum right at the bottom of your body. And just, if you can, visualize the breath coming directly into that spot. So it's like we're not breathing through our nose, but we're breathing into a balloon that expands with the in-breath and then deflates with the out-breath. So in meditative tradition, this is the hara or the power center of the body. So when we breathe here, we're disconnecting from all the intellectual chatter of the thinking mind and coming down to a much more primordial place. mind will want to drag you up, but see if you can just enjoy the flow of air in the, the base of the spine.
just let that space open downwards as well, downwards below the seat, down into the solid earth below you, so that you're breathing up from the earth into that spot. And also let it flow upwards. So as you breathe in, let the, that breath creep up your spine. So we're following the line of the spine, but inside the spine. So we're keeping very close to the inside of the spine, the body side of the spine. And feeling the spine coming up. So the spine goes behind the guts, behind the heart. Behind the throat, up into the back of the neck. And this is going to be our resting point. We want to kind of sit back into the spine like an antenna just receiving the music when it comes relaxed. And if you find yourself going into thought, then just tip your chin slightly down so you open the back of your neck. This is a good way of pointing the energy back down into the belly and back into the back of the body. Keep breathing. Stay in the belly. Stay in the spine.
And so it begins. <coughs> and some 27 hours later, or however long the, the full ring cycle goes on, uh, we come to the close. One of the things I was exploring as I was preparing for this, <coughs> this talk is Wagner's relationship with emotion. This idea of samadhi, of, of simplifying the space to, to listen to music, is a very basic foundation stone of, of Buddhist thinking. And the early Buddhist texts that Wagner would have encountered have a quite a problematic relationship with emotions, which is perhaps why he wanted to explore that in his opera, Die Siege. Generally, in the earliest manifestations of Buddhism, strong emotion is seen as an impediment that needs to be removed. <coughs> and of course, Wagner was right at the other end of the spectrum when it came to emotion. For him, emotion was the lifeblood of art and certainly the lifeblood of his operas. So I was thinking, well, that's interesting. How does, how does that simplified meditative uh, experience deal with strong emotion? And that's where we come to the other form of meditation, which is mindfulness. So samadhi is about simplifying the, the bodily space and coming into a very receptive, open-hearted um, place of listening. But mindfulness is an interesting uh, complement to to samadhi, because where samadhi is one-pointedness, about coming into a one stable experience of the here and now, mindfulness is a much more open-hearted uh, practice. It doesn't really care what's going on. You can be in furious rage, or you could be full of sexual desire, or you could be completely bored, there could be pneumatic drills going on outside, or you could be in a woodland glade. For mindfulness, everything is just perfect as it is. It's what we need to open to. And so this, to me, seems like a very good um, uh, tool to bring to, to Wagner as he takes human emotion and develop them, develops them through, through the ring cycle. Um, this man, Jung, uh, wrote a great deal about symbols dream symbols, the symbols of also of Eastern religion, the mandala. And he was obsessed with the, the power of the mandala as a symbol. Because for him, the, the difference between a sign, so the light motif in Wagner, for example, okay, that tune equals love, and a symbol is that a symbol always bursts its banks. It kind of exceeds what it seems. So when we have the, uh, the experience of the, the Rhine bursting its banks and sweeping aside all of human existence and civilization, then <coughs> for, for Jung, this was the sort of natural progression of any symbol, that it explodes the narrow meaning that we give to it. And this is an extremely potent idea from Buddhism that I think Wagner would have deeply approved of, is that when we sink into a true experience of life, then all our narrow ideas about what it should be, or what love is like, or what anger is like, or how power should be held, get exploded. And I think uh, one of the extremely fascinating things about Wagner's music is that the music explodes our mind. It explodes our narrow conception of meaning of these things. 
And this is the, the problem, of course, when we start to talk about Wagner. We talk about the leitmotiv and we talk about the kind of the, the theories and the, the kind of character analysis of the various great characters, is that we're sort of missing the point. From a Buddhist point of view or from a meditative point of view, we actually need to let the music explode our narrow self-constructs about what love is, about anger is, and what emotions are. And so I wanted to uh, move on to another of my favorite characters in the ring, which is Hagen. I think Hagen is probably my, my favorite ring character. Uh, psychologically speaking, is a fascinatingly complex character. And there's a wonderful moment in the middle of Götterdämmerung, if you're going to go and see it tomorrow, um, in, uh, just at the beginning of Act Two, where he's visited by his father, Alberich. And uh, certainly in all the stagings I've ever seen and, and uh, I've read about, Hagen is a, a deeply conflicted man, but a, but a big man, a big character. And Alberich is a dwarf, of course. And there's a wonderful scene where Alberich comes to speak to Hagen and Hagen is in a sort of trance. He's in a sort of dissociated half-sleep. He sits there during the whole of Alberic's uh, aria, um, sort of like with his eyes open, but in a sort of trance. And I think this is a really fabulous example of Wagner to his most sophisticated. Because in the music that leads up to that scene, we have an extremely powerful emotional state that doesn't really fall into any common category. It's not anger, it's not fear, it's not sadness, it's not love. It's a sort of otherworldly state of suspended animation, but with some very strong emotions in it. So what I thought would be quite good is to continue our practice by listening to the prelude to Act Two of, of Goethe Damerung, which is the music that leads up to Hagen's uh, interview, or one-sided interview with his father. And to just open ourselves, it's not a particularly famous bit of the ring, but just to open ourselves to what this music evokes in us emotionally. Because as I said, it's not an easily categorizable form of emotion. And so, once again, just opening ourselves to the music, but also just tuning into how we emotionally interpret it and feel it and resonate with it. So if you want to... Uh, Relax, you might want to hit the floor at this point if you uh, had enough of these hard seats. Or just uh, close your eyes and relax and come back to breathing into the belly. And now breathe into the heart. So just bring the breathing breath, the energy into the heart center. So up into the chest, again, just in front of the spine. Now we're opening our emotional heart and seeing how that, how that resonates with this mysterious, ambiguous music.
Isn't that wonderful? So, um, so ambiguous and weird. And it's, uh, I think when we listen to that music from our heart, when we kind of literally breathe into our heart and just put aside our thinking mind, sort of weird stuff happens. It's a, it's a very visceral experience. So continuing this, this exploration of, of Wagner's music through a Buddhist lens, I wanted to end by thinking about Brunhilde. Deborah Voigt there, looking suitably Wagnerian. And particularly about the, this idea of the great heroes of Wagner's ring. In uh, Tibetan Buddhism, that is the kind of last manifestation of, of Buddhism after the Buddha's teaching, there's a tradition of what's known as the Yidams. So the Yidams are deities or manifestations of, of the universal spirit that carry certain uh, qualities to universal amplitude. So the one that we're seeing behind us is Vajra Yogini. So Vajra Yogini is a blood-red vampire with a slicing knife that slices through ignorance. And she drinks the blood of, of uh, misguided, uh, unenlightened energy. So she's an extremely kind of ambiguous and powerful figure. And she stretches uh, the practitioner into domains that he or she have not, has not yet experienced. So in the, in the practice of uh, Tibetan Buddhism, you visualize yourself, first of all, face to face with these ex deities that manifest extreme emotion or extreme conditions. And then you merge with them. So you become Vajrayogini. And in doing that, you open up your mind to the possibilities of what being a human is. And I feel that something similar goes on when we listen to Wagner's great music dramas and particularly in the ring cycle, where we're dealing with the superhuman, dealing with giants and dragons and gods and half-gods. And what the scope and scale of Wagner's ambition and, and musical genius does is that it stretches us in a similar way as musical listeners or practitioners of music, that we sit and we allow ourselves to be to incorporate Brunhilde, to incorporate Hagen, to incorporate Siegfried, and manifest these, these qualities that we as mere humans never really encounter. So this requires a sort of surrender to Wagner that I think a lot of us find quite problematic. There's something in the modern psyche that really fights surrender, fights uh, letting someone kind of incorporate inside us. <clears throat> but I think that if we don't allow, if we let our kind of 21st century cynicism get in the way of really allowing these figures to fully kind of overwhelm us, or if you like, that we step up onto the stage or into the concert hall and we inhabit their great voices and their great music, then we're sort of missing a trick. We're missing the very essence of, of Wagner's music. So we're going to end with, um, we began with the, the beginning of, the, of Rheingold, and we're going to end with the last 
strophes of Götterdämmerung. And of course, this is the music where Brunhilde throws herself in the pyre. The pyre is swept away by the Rhine, bursts its banks and destroys the gods and everything, uh, washing it ready for a new life of love. And so I encourage you to just drop all your preconceptions and surrender to the kind of Buddhist practice of incorporating these cataclysmic events as the music comes to a close. So once again, close your eyes. And just come into your belly. Breathe into the base of the spine, but also breathe into the heart. And breathe into the back of the skull. So dropping the chin slightly. Open up the back of the neck and the base of the skull. And breathe into that spot. This is the, the space of transcendence where we can allow something to enter into our, into our body. just softly breathing into the body. Let's enjoy the last 10 minutes of the ring.
and so it ends. <laughs> and that's the end of my talk too. Uh, the South Bank has, has put a guided meditation up on their website, which you can download, which is specifically about. Um, I'll have to check, actually. It, sh they, it should be there some at some point, yeah. So there will be a guided meditation, so if you wanted to explore this further, you can, you can uh, practice at coming into your backspace and occupying the primordial belly, the heart open uh, heart, and then the back of the skull for the more transcendent experience. But I hope it's been useful, and I hope that you, if you're going to see Goethe Dameron, you enjoy the full panoply of emotions. And... Uh, Yes, have a great Wagnerian day. Thank you. Thank you for listening, and please do join us again for more podcasts from MindSprings. You can find out more about us and our work at mind-springs.org. That's mind-springs.org.